When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there and welcome to Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a fantasy football scout weekly podcast brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's scout the game week. This week, I'm joined by Ryan, who's from Football Chatbox. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. How did Game Week 10 treat you? Thank you, Sam. Really uh, glad to be on Scout the Game Week. I've listened to a few other podcasts before as well and really good insight from previous managers. <laughs> game Week has been really good. 68 points with a lucky few benching appearances from Livramento and Emil Smithrow. Nice. So got a bit lucky there. Rank 3,400 in the world right now. Very um, nice. Never been this high before. Um, <laughs> so I'm enjoying it, but let's see how the form goes. It's interesting, isn't it? I think because the last couple of weeks have made a, a big difference to rankings mm. and, and where people sit because they've been quite diverse, I guess. There's been either ridiculously high scores where people have kind of gone a bit mental or mm. distinctly average. There didn't seem to be a lot of kind of mediocre scores when you yeah. look across the active FPL community. Mm. So I do think there's been a lot of rank gain and and, and rank lost over the last couple of weeks. I know for me, obviously, last week was particularly good. This week was bang average. So I got 42 this week. Saved a little bit by Jimenez on on Monday evening with his goal. Actually, he should have had more, really, which means a little red arrow this time around. But equally, it is only a little red arrow. And at the moment, given the level of green arrow that I had last week, I'm kind of all right to take a little bit of a red arrow reassess I didn't make any transfers last week either and I kind of I knew that there was a couple I wanted to make but I didn't want to take a hit so we can talk about all that a little bit later Mm -hmm. on but let's start this pod as always then by looking back on the game we've just played I want to start this time around with West Ham because they were impressive again against Aston Villa at the weekend but there was nothing for Antonio in this match and I think for me I'm starting to kind of reassess my my feelings on Antonio, because the fixtures now are taking a turn for the worst. What are you doing? Do you own Antonio? Are you keeping him? Would you recommend keeping him? So I've owned Antonio from the start. Yeah, um, me too. And yeah. And right now I have, even with value, I have about 0.4 stored in him as well in okay. terms of value. And I've been asking this question on, on YouTube videos, in Twitter spaces. Are people thinking of getting rid of Antonio? Mm. And most of the time, the answer I get is, Antonio is like a premium player. If he's fit, you you keep him and you play him. And that's what I've been also saying on like my channel as well. On the podcast, we discuss usually Antonio is that type of player. If he's fit, you keep him. He'll get you a goal. But the form has been on and off recently. And yeah. I don't know how much that has to do with even the Europa League action with West Ham not being used to playing before in the midday. But we'll see how it goes. 
the only problem right now is there aren't any other viable like options out there who are consistent and delivering and that kind of doesn't help us well because okay i want to get rid of antonio but then who do i get in because there's no one really standing out with regards to the aston villa game i think it was a bit unlucky because there were the last two goals that west ham scored he kind of like assisted the sister and you could have said that those two chances he created could have been also finished by those west ham players yeah and we would be looking at maybe two assists from um, this game week instead we're looking at like no returns it's interesting isn't it with antonio because he is one that like you i've owned, i've owned since the beginning of the season he was a good decision going into mm. game week 1 and i very much enjoyed owning him but i am looking at the fixtures so west ham obviously have liverpool next then wolves mm. man city brighton and chelsea yeah. Alongside their Europa League commitments, alongside progression in the League Cup. Yeah, and I'm yeah. and I'm thinking, are West Ham and Antonio going to be able to keep up this football that they're playing at the moment? Now, I think the answer to West Ham is yes. With Antonio, absolutely he's got the talent and the ability to do that. But my worry is, can he stay fit over these periods, mm. particularly as we are coming into the busy Christmas period? Obviously not that quickly, but, you know, it won't yeah, be that yeah. long till we hit the busy Christmas period. Yeah. And I'm looking at um, Tony at Brentford, uh, whose fixtures are very nice. You know, They've got Norwich this week, followed by Newcastle, Everton, Spurs and Leeds. And I'm thinking, could I really benefit the rest of my team if I take the money out of Antonio and if I redistribute that into the midfield? Because the midfield are the ones that I'm looking at and I'm really wanting to target right now. And I guess that's where the conversation comes from, because, you know, it's nothing really to do with Antonio specifically, because you're right, he could have easily returned in game week 10. But I think it's what it can do for the rest of the team and the fact that Tony has got really nice fixtures mm. and you have that downgrade. A- Antonio's price point, I don't think there's a as good a like-for-like swap. I think if you want to stick in that kind of price point that Antonio is, then, then you're better off sticking with him. But if you want to free mm. up some money and come down, it's worth doing. Going up is an interesting one because, of course, there are premium options you could go to. There's Jamie Vardy, who seems to have lost his form a little bit right now in terms of his returns. There's Harry Kane, who hasn't yet found any form. Um, There's people like uh, Aubameyang at Arsenal, who, again, would be a bit of an interesting pick given the cheapness of of their midfield and, and how good those cheap midfielders are doing. So going up doesn't feel like it's necessarily the right thing. So I guess for you, then you're saying you hold Antonio? At the present moment, I'm looking at holding Antonio. So the last few days I've been talking about and seeing whether if I get rid of Antonio, who do I bring in? I know Tony has really good fixtures. I'm a bit worried with regards to Rhea being Mm. missing from from Brentford and how much that affects Brentford's ability to, to play out from the back and Will that push them backwards? Because usually a good keeper can always put your team a bit more attacking. Yeah. But if you've got a new keeper like what we saw on the weekend, I'm not really sure how the defense will cooperate with that and how they're going to go moving forward. The other thing with Tony is compared to Antonio, Tony doesn't seem like the player who will get me huge hauls, where Antonio has that explosive ability to like bring in hauls. And I also checked like last season to see whether, okay, he's going against some tough teams, but has he scored against tough teams? And last season, he scored against City both times he played. Mm. He didn't play against Chelsea because he was injured both times. And he played one game against Liverpool. So not really much to go on from previous history. But the other thing is, if he does get a return, then he increases in price. And then I'm going, 
okay, I, if I'm getting rid of him, I'm probably want him back in the next after the next five game weeks are done. Mm. And then I'm wondering, okay, so if I if I lose him now, I'll probably lose about point one, point two, maybe. If assuming he goes down in price because of the fixture run, and then he'll probably go up again in price. So I'll probably have to still buy him back at like about eight point two, eight point one. And then I'm wondering, okay, do I have any other fires that I need to put out? Because mm-hmm. right now we've seen in like the last few weeks, a lot of managers have been keeping players because they've got fires to put out elsewhere. Yeah, and for sure. You would like some people still have Ronaldo. and that's mainly because they've had fires else to put out elsewhere those are the kind of questions i guess you have to ask yourself and see whether is he really an important transfer to make out right now and also do you have any other pressing concerns elsewhere yeah because i mean i guess if you don't have any pressing transfers then maybe doing it because it allows you to get somebody that you really want elsewhere on the mm. pitch might outweigh the point one that you may have to pay extra for mm. him to bring him back in a few weeks time mm. but Look, you're right. I mean, I I know that my transfers over recent weeks have literally all been firefighting. They've been yeah. like, I've got a problem here. I need to replace that player. I've got a player here. I need to replace that player. So they've not really been about bringing in the player that I want. My priority transfer in over the last few weeks has been a Manchester City defender. That's been the yeah. one thing that my team of every week I've looked at it and thought, goodness, it's really lacking a Cancelo. It's really lacking a Diaz. It's really lacking a, a Laporte. Whoever it yeah. is. But there's been so many other fires to put out that I just haven't been able to bring in a Manchester City defender. Now, the clean sheet goes again in game week 10. We've spent weeks talking about the expected goals conceded with Manchester City, how good it was, how they are the team if you're going to double up on anyone defensively, that is the team you should be doing it on. Only for them to fail to keep clean sheets against both Brighton and Crystal Palace. Now obviously we saw Laporte get sent off in the game against Palace at the weekend. He's going to miss the derby as a result of his red card. Do you still think the Man City double up is on or given the fixtures are now slightly taking a turn again. So obviously I've just mentioned we've they've got the derby next. Then it's Everton who well we can maybe talk about them in a bit. They looked awful against Wolves on on Monday evening followed by West Ham, Villa and Watford. So the fixtures start to toughen up slightly. Do we still go with the double up? do we just stick with one what are your thoughts on the man city defense so in terms of double up so this was a question that i had on the podcast in game week 7 when a lot of people were like wild card in during that time whether mm-hmm. um we go with the like the chelsea they were talking about chelsea double up and man city double up and like the whole big at the back thing um but this is something we weren't really convinced by in terms of it just takes like one game week for them to consider goal and for your entire game week to just like go downwards yeah. um which we kind of seen in those two games now the other thing with the comparison in terms of city's defense compared to chelsea's defense is that the double up double up for city will most likely be diaz and cancelo yeah whereas we're talk in terms of chelsea we're talking like rich james chilwell aspilicueta all of these players are like high upside types of players although they do come with their risk but the amount of upside we can get from them is really high compared to maybe city where it's only probably cancelo where you're looking for attacking returns yeah. and diaz you're probably looking for like um just a clean sheet so in that specific case i wouldn't necessarily double up um on a city player especially going forward and i've seen managers who want who have double up of city and are looking to get rid of one right now the question is a lot of people are doing them for a swap to chilwell which is one option Mm-hmm. another option which is really interesting and when we come to spurs we'll talk about it is where the conte can improve that defense where maybe switching one of those city defenders to a spurs defender 
can free up some funds to put into midfield and forward. Yeah, oh Spurs. Let's talk about them in a minute. I think with Manchester City, this week is the first week where I don't have a load of fires across my team. I'm looking, mm. Well, I say that. I mean, there's there's Champions League action to come. There could be a load of fires by the end of it. But currently, there's yeah. not a load of flags on my team. And I'm looking at them thinking, I've got two free chances. Mm. Ideally, I'd like to use just one and keep the two for over the international break. But I'm looking at my team and thinking, well, this is the first time in forever that I feel like I'm able to make a transfer because it's the transfer I want to make. And if this had been the case a week or two ago, a Man City defender would have absolutely been the priority. But this week, I'm not sure that it is anymore. I think I want to wait. I think I just want to let's get through the Manchester United derby game. And then after that, maybe I might be more willing to go with one of them again. But right now, I don't think they are a priority in for me anymore, the City defence. I'm quite happy owning Foden, even though he didn't return last last week in game week 10. He still had plenty of opportunities. And I think, you know, for me, just having him right now is enough of a pep roulette drama Mm. that I'll wait on the Man City defence until after the Manchester derby. Yeah, if you wanted, so I own Foden and Cancelo. Mm. And ahead of the derby, I'm looking at dropping, benching Cancelo because I believe United will score. The other thing is if people were thinking of bringing in a City defender, I would recommend probably only Cancelo because of the fact that he can play that left back and right back spot. So he's less of a pep roulette risk compared to maybe some of the other defenders. Which is the complete opposite of what we said last year, isn't it, really? Because yeah. <laughs> Cancelo was the one that you did last season. If you were prepared to take a risk, yeah. and if you weren't, you would go Diaz. And whereas this year, we are starting to see more consistency mm. from Pep in terms of who's starting in his back line. And, and I'll be interested to see how they get on without Laporte in game week 11. So for me, I'm, I'm riding through game week 11 without a City defender. And I'll, I'll come back to that during international mm. break and ponder it. Going back to Salah then for a minute, he does return in game week Mm -hmm. 10, but not nearly as much as we've become accustomed to. Hence Mm -hmm. why the game week uh, average was so much lower than we've seen over the last few weeks. In fact, it wasn't really just Salah that was a little bit disappointing with his returns. It was Liverpool generally. I don't know. They felt a bit, they started the game well and then allowed Brighton back into it and Brighton were excellent. I, I must say at this point, you know, I don't think it was so much that Liverpool were bad. I think Brighton just were really up for the game. They played incredibly well. I still own Jota. He was benched again this week, does come on, gets his cameo, but could have had opportunities, maybe should have had opportunities to get something. As always with with Jota off the bench, you always kind of see that opportunity for him to get something, even if he is benched. I am now kind of looking at him thinking, well, maybe you are the transfer that makes the most sense this week because you're not regularly starting but then having said that when you do start you do tend to return so it's it's that kind of quandary of going backwards and forwards what would you be doing if you were a jotter owner Liverpool fixtures coming up are they I mean they look a bit difficult for the next couple in West Ham and Arsenal but then after that Southampton Everton and Wolves a bit mixed bag I guess for Liverpool coming up I think with the Brighton Liverpool game Brighton were really good in the second half mm. it was mostly Brighton if anyone was to get a goal, it looked like Brighton in the second half, like to win that game. They were unlucky um, not to score right at the end, actually. Yeah. So that was a bit, it was also a bit shocking, like after Liverpool's performance against United and then the way they turned up in the second half wasn't really that great, but I'll just put that as a blip in terms of the entire Liverpool performance. Um, and I expect them to continue. Really good performances upcoming. Um, with regards to Jota, I was a Jota owner until I hit my wildcard in mm. game eight. And then I was like, yep, Goodbye. But then the thing with Jada is we've kind of already known this 
before as well, where we're like, if Firmino's fit, Jota is always going to be a minutes risk. Um, and it's not about like Jota is that player like he. It's not he's not going to get benched for the full ninety. Most likely, we always no. know he's going to get minutes, and he's always going to come on. And he does have that chance of like, okay, when he comes on, he could possibly get a goal. But then the question is, are you willing to risk having that one player, which is seven point five million right now, or some around that range, wondering whether he if whether he comes on for like thirty minutes or twenty minutes, whether it's going to be enough or not? Yeah, it's definitely a tough one. I think the the just a conversation for me, I go round and around and around and around on it constantly while I try and make a decision about whether I want to stay with him, whether I want to go with somebody else. I do really enjoy owning him. He's I enjoy watching him play. I think he looks good every time. And this is the thing that I guess for me makes it a difficult sell is that every time I watch him, he looks dangerous and he looks like he could return. And that was true over the opening 10 game weeks of the season. Yeah. It's one where I'm kind of backwards and forwards on it, but then I'm looking at other options and I'm looking at other teams that have got really nice fixtures coming up and I'm kind of pondering on whether it's a, it's a good time to make a change. For example, Chelsea. Very interesting afternoon for Chelsea at the weekend. Mount, the most transferred in player, gets himself mm-hmm. ill, misses the game. No, you would expect that that would mean that he'll be back again for game week 11. So I think if he did go on the Mount train for game week 10, don't, panic and think that you have to make a, a transfer out straight away he's not injured he's just ill we'll obviously get a bit more insight as Chelsea play the Champions League this week Aspilicueta misses out because of his shoulder injury Havertz who was so popular the week before mm. does return for his owners this time around gets an assist but it was Reese James this week who who shone mm. and I feel like every week it's a Chelsea defender of some kind who really kind of stands up to be counted We've seen Chilwell do it over the last couple of weeks. We've seen Ruda Good do it a few weeks back. Which Chelsea defender do you own? How many of them do you own? And should we stop being scared about the rotation with the likes of, of Reese James and Chilwell and just take the chance on them? Because if they play, they seem to haul. Yeah. I own at the moment James and Chilwell. I got double James. Risk. Yeah, <laughs> double risk. So what happened was I initially got Rudiger in game week seven before mm-hmm. my wild card in game week eight. Then Rudiger was out injured for that specific game week, and then I, I was just watching like on um, FPLY, and Zoff was like, James is one that he would recommend. He mentioned because he would be like the one who, if he returns, he's most likely going to return huge. Yeah. The other thing is. James, we haven't seen Lukaku yet as well back in the team. Yeah. And when Lukaku is back, it increases James' appeal uh, because he's the one who's going to be putting in those crosses for Lukaku. Um, that means more attacking returns potentially. Yeah. The one downside to Rich James compared to maybe Chilwell is the fact that Rich James can also play right centre-back, whereas Chilwell is either a wing-back or he doesn't come on at all if he doesn't yeah. start. So you have to take that risk in terms of he Rich James could get that few minutes cameo. Will he score? Maybe he has the potential to score. He's he's now the highest scoring FPL defender, right? And he's only played three 90 minute games. Yeah. So it's a huge upside. It's it's interesting, isn't it? With Rhys James, because yeah. every time I watch him play, I, I really like him. He's great to watch. He's attacking. The Chelsea defense looks solid. I mean, they've got a phenomenal goalkeeper mm. in Mendy behind. And you feel like you feel like he could save everything. Anything hmm. that's allowed through that Chelsea defence, you feel like Mendy can stop it. As a Rudiger owner, I am happy 
to be a Rudiger owner. I like the security of owning Rudiger. I like the fact that he does have some attacking threat. You know, we've seen goals and assists from him so far this season. It's nowhere near the attacking threat that we see from Reese James and Chilwell, but I'm happy with the security. But I am looking at Chelsea and I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe would be a good time to double up. I still have Semedo, who I really don't want to own anymore. Uh, It doesn't seem to be able to ever keep a clean sheet these days, which is, well, it's just the most frustrating thing in the world, particularly when you look at the potential that he had for attacking returns and clean sheets, and he's just got none of them. And when you look at Chelsea on the fixture ticker, Burnley next, followed by Leicester, Manchester United, which will be tough in terms of clean sheets, but definitely your attacking defenders could get something in that mm. one. Watford, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, Brighton, then it's Liverpool. I look at Chelsea and I think over the next few weeks, do I want to have a de- defender? Yes. Could I double up? The fixtures are arguably nice enough that until Liv- until 21, Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, you could you could easily double up on on Chelsea at that stage. Mm. And, you know, if you've double up because you've got Rhys James and you've got Rudiger, or you double up because you've got Chilwell and Rudiger, it means that you've always touched wood. You're always going to have one of them that starts, mm-hmm. but you could mm-hmm. easily get both. So if the yeah. clean sheet sticks, you're going to get that. If your de- attacking defender misses out, if it's Chilwell, it's probably not going to come on. If it's Rhys James, yeah. like you mentioned, there's the risk of a cameo. But... You know, I do, I do I really like them. And I do think that we do, we should maybe stop the fear of the mm. rotation and just invest in them because the halls that they are bringing every week are just, they're too good to kind of keep ignoring. And, and like you say, I think when Lukaku's back and that's supposed to be after the international break, yeah. that could put us in an even better position with our Chelsea defenders. Yeah. It also depends on how much risk you're willing to take. And I think like, that has kind of been the difference between the ranks as well. Yeah. In terms of those assets, they are the ones who are differentiating. Like the look at like if you look at the double city defense compared to double Chelsea defense over the last few weeks, mm. it's like light and like night and day, basically. Because Rich James and Chilwell might have combined for about 84 points or something, whereas Diaz and Consolo is like 16 or something like that. Yeah. So it's a huge difference in terms of points. If if as, as, as a Rudiger owner yourself, I think. Rudiger's a really good shot. He seemed like he's always shown those runs where he can get forward and he's looking yeah. like he's going to score, which I really like. And if I was to add another Chelsea defender, I'd probably go for Chilwell instead of uh, Rich James, mainly because of the fact that if Chilwell doesn't start, it's fine. Yes, as long as you have a good, yeah, as long as you have a good fifth defender and we've seen Livramento. We've all got Livramento, yeah, right? Yeah. Who is perfectly fine and probably is a good starting defender as well with the current fixtures that Southampton have. So Well, that's the thing. So because I've not got a Manchester City defender, I've just been starting Livermento every week. Mm. And actually that's been better than yeah. playing a City defender right now. So yeah. And I do think the Livermento conversation is, is the fact that he's still there. He's starting every game. He looks dangerous every game. Mm. The clean sheets are sticking most of the time with Southampton as well. All of that stuff means that, you've got a excellent option as your mm-hmm. fifth defender, which means you can afford to take an educated risk on that double mm-hmm. Chelsea defence. You can have Rudiger and you can have Chilwell or mm-hmm. Rudiger and Rhys James. Rhys James, you do have the risk of a one-point cameo, but there's also the opportunity that they don't play and then mm-hmm. one of them goes out and you, and you get Livermento in instead, which feels yeah. ideal. All right, let's rip the Band-Aid off then and talk about Spurs. 
obviously, for those that don't know, you are a Manchester United fan. I am obviously a Spurs fan for my sins. Yeah. Manchester United, first of all, let's start with them, looked a lot better mm. um, in this game. L- l- it felt to me like there was a lot of learning that was done on the back of what happened against Liverpool. There was obviously a lot of conversations around Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his job. And it did feel like the Manchester United team turned up in game week 10. Or was it just that Spurs just didn't and they were terrible? But in terms of Manchester United, you mentioned at the beginning of this pod that there are some managers out there who still got Ronaldo because they've been firefighting. Mm, mm. Like it's like I have, I don't really want Ronaldo anymore, but oh, I've got this issue, I've got this issue, I've got. So the reality is, when that happens, you end up keeping a player far longer than you planned. But when you look at the Manchester United fixtures and run them out over a significant period of time, obviously it's the derby this week, followed by Watford, followed by Chelsea. So two tough games. Arsenal was tough following Chelsea, but not quite as bad in terms of attacking potential. Mm. After that, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, Villa, West Ham. Probably one of the nicer fixture runs that you're going to get over that period of time between game week 14 and game week 22-23. If you've stuck with Ronaldo this long, do you just have to stick with him now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because at this point, it's like, I haven't seen a better fixture run that any team has like had in recent memory mm. that United are about to have. And regardless of whether Soska is manager or whether they get a new manager in that run, they're going to do really good. And at this point, I think a lot of people who got rid of Ronaldo, myself included, I'm looking to bring him back. <laughs> the question the question now, and I, I, that was always on the cards. It's how you budget for back. it, isn't it? I have the budget at the moment to bring him back. The question is, do I bring him back for the Watford game or do I wait till after the Chelsea game? Because I think yeah. he has chances of scoring in the Watford game as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. that Watford game, the Watford game is unfortunate because if it had been Manchester City in 11, Chelsea in 12, you'd yeah. have just gone, okay, If I do, as a non-Ronaldo owner, let's wait and let's bring him in in 13. Yeah. But there is definitely a possibility that most FPL managers will look at game week 13 and think, right, I'll invest for 14 or yeah. maybe 15. And then they'll miss what could potentially be a big haul against Watford in, in game week 12. And those mm. that just stuck loyal because they had so many other issues to fry will get some sort of massive haul out of him. Apart from Ronaldo, because I think, you know, we all agree that Ronaldo is a good option and likely mm. will be in that run of fixtures. Is there anybody else from, uh, from Manchester United that you would recommend? Because with a fixture run like that, the reality is that I would want to be more heavily invested than just one player in that period of time. Mm. I had Luke Shaw to start the season, which is probably one of the bigger mistakes that I've made so far this season. I just expected Luke Shaw to be the Luke Shaw that we had back end of the Mm -hmm. 2021 season. He was fabulous for me at that point. I brought him in. He was scoring goals. He was getting clean sheets. He was getting assists. Everything was right about Luke Shaw. Fast forward to the summer, pre-season, and the game gets launched. I'm like, right, I want Luke Shaw. Fixtures look nice. I'll, I'll go with Luke Shaw. Oh, my goodness. It's been, and it was a total disaster. And now I'm a little bit scared to go back there because I'm quite enjoying not having Luke Shaw. I'm not having the stress of it. But is there anyone other than Ronaldo? Can we go Luke Shaw? Greenwood, is he a rotation risk now? Rash, what about Rashford? You know, is there somebody else that's a bit cheaper than Ronaldo that we can get? Yeah, so Luke Shaw, I also owned him. Biggest mistake. Didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, if he gets a clean sheet, it's a it's a it's a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the looks of stuff. 
Um, I probably won't go back to Luke Shaw, at least until I am confident in United's defense, which I'm not. Um, I'm glad and, it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke Shaw probably not. Uh, in terms of other United assets, um, I did like I do like the look of Bruno Fernandez. The problem is, do we have the budget to have Bruno Fernandez, yes, hard, a human son, a Mohamed Salah, Cristiano Ronaldo, which is not easy. But no. in terms of stats, he's he had 16 chances created in the last four game weeks, Bruno Fernandez, which is the highest amongst all players. So he's going to be always creating. And there's still the possibility that he has penalties in his locker as well. Yeah. So that kind of increases his appeal. The other option I would recommend is Rashford because okay. he's looked really good when he's come on. And he's back from injury and it's, been, it's an injury he's been carrying for a couple of seasons already right now. Now with United having the, I don't know if they're going to be continuously playing that three at the back formation with two strikers up front. But if they do, or even if they switch formations, Rashford benefits from both of them, where he has the ability to play off Ronaldo. And we've seen the last game Ronaldo had that ability to pass to Cavani. Like there is the option where Ronaldo can just pass it to Rashford. Rashford goes through. And with his explosive speed and the way he's looked really good, like in the last few games, yeah. uh, I'm really tempted by him as well as an option. And I do agree. I think we'll probably have to look at at least doubling up for that run. Yeah. The question um, is which three or which two? Yeah. The fixtures are just really lovely. You know, I, I, I sit, I'm sitting here and I've got the fixture checker in front of me. I'm looking at the kind of the bigger clubs and obviously Liverpool's fixture run is lovely and you're not going to, mm. You're not going to take out, apart from maybe Diego Jota, who we've talked about, you, you're not going to take out Salah and you're not going to take out Trent. You look at Manchester United's fixture run and you've got a couple more weeks before you've got to do it. But mm. definitely from 15, from Crystal Palace, you, you're going to likely want to be invested there. I look at the Spurs fixture run and, I mean, on paper, you want to be invested in Spurs right now. Mm. Let's mm. let's talk about them in a second. And then obviously Manchester City, a little bit difficult over the next couple of weeks but then Everton that's not a tough game the way that Everton are playing at the moment so the reality is they've got the derby which is always going to be difficult and then between then and the Chelsea game in game week 22 it's really only West Ham maybe Arsenal that I would be worried about in that period of time so fixtures are good for these big clubs and that's going to mean difficulty in terms of budgets because suddenly we're at a point where all of our bigger sides with our expensive premium assets are starting to have a nice run of fixtures and you cannot invest in all of them at the same time, yeah. the level of investment that you'd want to. So if Rashford is going to be, if he's going to come back and be the Rashford that we saw last season in points, then he might be what we need because he's going yeah. to enable in the same way that I think, you know, most managers, and, and this is a good segue in Spurs, will start looking at Sun yeah. because it's far easier to budget for him than it is to budget for Kane. Now, obviously in the aftermath of, of Saturday's game, Spurs have sacked Nuno. We're recording this very early, my time, or, or later on in the afternoon, your time on Tuesday. So we are awaiting news of the Spurs replacement, but everything that I'm reading suggests that by Tuesday lunchtime, Spurs will have signed a new manager and it is looking increasingly likely that it's going to be Conte. Now, what does Conte's potential arrival mean for us as FPL managers? Because... He obviously has Premier League pedigree. He's been here before. He's done it before. He is probably the manager that Spurs should have signed in the summer when they went for Nuno. What we do often see from Conte is, well, we see a couple of things. We see, first of all, how he really likes to play two up top. Does that mean we get 
an out-of-position son playing up top alongside Harry Kane. We've seen from his comments in the past about, about Kane specifically, how his view is that Kane should be in the box. He should be in the box. He shouldn't be dropping deep. He should be in the right positions. But what does that mean about Kane? Because if he's going to say, Harry Kane, you're going to stand in the box and you're going to score goals, with the runner fixtures that Spurs have against defences that they've got coming up, they should be able to get at those defences and that should mean goals for him. Some being out of position potentially alongside him, Looks fantastic for 10.2 million. But more than that, he loves to play these five defenders with two of them mm. acting as wingers. Now, what does that mean in terms of the likes of Reguillon and Royale on the other side? Because for me, that suddenly really piqued my interest. The Spurs defence has not been on my radar since game week, well, since game week four, since that first international break, because we came back and were woeful ever since. But now I'm looking at Reguillon and my goodness me, if anything we learn from the Manchester United game at the weekend, it is that you do not drop Reguillon ever mm. because he's one of our better players. For goodness sake, what's he doing on the bench? Flying wing backs with Reguillon and Royale could open up a world of opportunity for us. They are not mm. that expensive. So what's your views on Spurs now? Should we be investing in Kane? Should we be investing in this potentially our position son? Or should we go with the wing backs and go with Reguillon and Royale? Yeah, the arrival of Conte is, I think, one of probably one of the best managers in the world right now in terms of how he sets up his team and everything. It does increase the appeal of Spurs defenders. And like I told you before, like mentioned about the double up of City or should we get rid of the double up? What do we do? There is a possibility where we could probably change our City defenders to maybe Spurs defenders oh, if they're more appealing. <laughs> and at the moment, it might sound crazy, but the amount of money that it frees up where we can kind of then go yeah. and boost our midfield, boost our forward line. I'm willing to take that risk. The only thing is we still have to see what Conte does um, with this Spurs team. It's not the same uh, level of quality, I would say, in terms of how he had in the Chelsea team that he had. Oh, for before, sure. Because, yeah, the, that had like Hazard, Conte, Pedro. It was a well-stacked team. So this he's going to have to do a lot more work. I went and had a look in terms of Emerson Royal, his stats in La Liga. So in 1920, he had three goals and six assists for Real Betis with 33 appearances. In 2021, he had one goal, four assists in 34 appearances. Reguillon, on the other hand, I think he had four assists last season Mm -hmm. uh, for Spurs. And in 1920 for Sevilla, he had two goals and four assists. So it's not really high numbers in terms of like when we compare to maybe a Chilwell, a Marcus Alonso, a Trent Axe and Arnold in terms of attacking numbers, but we'll see what Conte does because Conte did turn Victor Moses into a really good defender as well when he was <laughs> at Chelsea. So there is magic there to be worked. There um, needs to be magic. I'm telling you, yeah, Ryan, there exactly. needs to be magic because honestly, it's been dreadful. But the fixtures are there for there to be some magic. I mean, to mm. be honest, as a as Spurs fan, I, I was sad about the Nuno thing because he's such a great guy, Nuno. It's mm. very clear that he's he's a, a really lovely person. And, and I felt like he's been a bit badly treated, to be honest, at Spurs. He, he wasn't really the manager that Spurs wanted and he wasn't then really given the time to, to put things right because he's lost the dressing room for, for whatever reason. But the fixtures, it's come at the right moment. Everton, who Spurs have next, were awful on Monday evening Mm. against Wolves, particularly in the first half. They were really poor. They did get a bit better in the second half. Then it's Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, Brighton. 
that's a really lovely period of fixtures mm. where if Spurs are going to revive their season, that's going to be the moment. And, you know, you said before, we, we need to see what Conte is going to do. We do have a Thursday evening game this week, obviously, in the conference, where as long as as we are expecting Conte signed yeah. on, on Tuesday, we would expect to have him in charge for that game. So we may get a bit of clarity surrounding what we're expecting him to look like. He is in London. He has been at Spurs. I suspect that he stayed at the training ground last night. Which would mean if he's if he's announced this morning, we he would be bare coaching the boys. So you know, a couple of days, then a conference match, then obviously we've got the build up to the weekend's football. So let's see. I think the good thing is that from a defensive point of view, we can wait mm. till after Everton, and then we can invest ahead of Leeds. As a Kane owner right now, mm. well, he was the only player in my team that blanked in game week nine, and then going into game week ten. I wasn't really sure how this game would pan out. I was like, this anything could happen here, but probably one of the managers gets sacked at the end of it. It's kind mm. of where my head was. And that yeah. is what happened. I wasn't expecting much from Kane, but I wonder now whether the arrival of, of Conte might just be what he needs to just spark him back to life. Because let's be honest, Conte is going to turn up and, and be brutal with him. He's going to yeah, tell him. Yeah. The truth, which is actually what I think Harry Kane needs right now. He cut a very, very difficult figure to watch, was booed by the Spurs fans leaving the pitch. And 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 it's difficult to watch. But I think now he was on my hit list of people I did not want. Even with the fixtures, I was like, you know, I've invested in you at this point because of the Lukaku injury. You can stay for the next couple of weeks. But then after that, I'm going to remove you and go mm-hmm. Ronaldo instead. But let's just see what happens now. He's going to get the next three in Everton, Leeds and Burnley. Whilst Ronaldo's got that more difficult fixture period with Manchester City and Chelsea. Mm. But after that, if Kane hasn't performed and if we haven't seen any improvement under Conte, then then I think that'll be the time for me to move him on. Mm-hmm. Let's turn our attention now then to game week 11. And let's just talk about premiums for a minute because it kind of builds on what we we're just saying about about Kane leaving Salah out of the conversation right now are there any other premiums that you think are worth investing in right now I think we have Salah the thing with the premium assets is we kind of had to wait and see how they perform going back to Kane me when I watched that game and that Spurs game he had that opportunity to have a shot at goal and instead he tried to find Sun and just messed up for me Kane's body language itself it seems like he just doesn't want to be there at the moment <laughs> he's not wanted to be there for a while yeah. now I mean the reality is I think he thought that City would come in and offer mm. offer huge money and that he would therefore leave but they never did you know mm. and that's and that's the issue I have here is that there's a lot of a lot of rhetoric around Spurs and how we should just let him go in the summer but you don't just let go your best player unless you hit the offer that you think is where they are valued at mentally I think he's found that really hard because in his mind he said his goodbyes at the end of last season he was going to go because City were going to come in and offer massive money and he was going to go and win the Premier League so you've got to then have a conversation with yourself and work out what you're going to do now you either do what he's doing right now which is strop about and not really ever live up to the hype and I think it's in his head now as well I don't think he's I don't actually think he's stropping around now I think he did that for the first couple of game weeks of the season and now I think it's just in his head and he's just struggling to get back yeah. into being a world-class footballer again. And of course, the, the situation that Spurs were in has been difficult because we've not been playing the sort of football that's meant that he can score goals. And then that's got the fans on his back. So it's been a kind of a circle of nightmares for Kane over the last few weeks. But I do wonder now whether what what's happened with the change of manager 
might just be a circuit breaker. It might be exactly mm. what Kay needed to just go, okay, that period is done. I've got this new manager now. And if I was Harry Kane, I'd be looking at the arrival of Conte and I'd be thinking, look what you did for Romelu Lukaku. Look what mm. you made him into. Can he make me an even better player than I am right now? And I think the answer is yes, he can if Kane goes with it. Yeah, that's the thing. So I, I, I don't think we should rule him out, but equally, I wouldn't be buying him right yes. now. Yeah, that, so I wouldn't be investing in Kane until I kind of see that. For sure. Conte is not going to allow a player to just sulk there and like he'll wonder where he's going to be. Yeah, yeah, he'll bench him straight away. The numbers that Hugh Ming Sun has been putting up recently, even before Nuno got sacked, I think I was looking at Sun in terms of bringing him in for this yeah. uh, upcoming Spurs run. And at the price point as well, he's a really good option. Yeah. Um, in terms of other premiums, we spoke about Rashford as well as a possibility. It's not as expensive, but still a decent amount of cost. Ronaldo we've speak, spoken about as well, but there aren't any other specific ones who are kind of like catching our eyes saying, hey, look at me, I'm a really good option. No. Um, that's the thing. So we're stuck with all these mid-price budget uh, midfielders, forwards, who were like, okay, we'll just go for you because you're the ones delivering right now. Like yeah. we've seen Emil Smithrow get returns and he's Amazing. like 5.5. So yeah. we are stuck with these mid-priced to lower priced options until we wait for maybe a high expensive player to just go out there and say I'm also a good option and I think they will at some point but I think what this does mean is that and you mentioned this earlier is that differentials suddenly become so important and if you're Mm. brave and you get on the right differential at the right moment for me you know having Foden in game week nine was such an important moment for my season having you know differential picks are what drive you forward right now because Mm. you know the premiums aren't really performing which means that we've all got lots of budget so it's how you're using it so going into game week 11 then which three under five percent differentials do you think managers should be targeting to get those boosts because these are going to be the ones that move your rank so in terms of players that i would suggest i'm not going to be looking at just specific game week 11 because the way i play moves is i'll try to look at for lengthy period they have to be useful for a long like four to five game weeks or a bit more than that we mentioned Rashford he's only 0.8% owned which is really eye-catching Maxwell Cornet is another player I'm looking at mm. he's also 0.8% he's been so owned. impressive yeah like, so impressive since he's arrived honestly he seems to have come from nowhere and mm. every week I watch him and I'm like you're really talented like you're mm. a really good player but again I think because everyone's had so many other fires to fight because it's not a really attractive pump on a player people mm. just ignore him but I, I do think he could be a really nice pick going forward they do have some good fixtures as well upcoming um and I was thinking because I have Rafinha as well and Leeds fixtures are going to start turning tough and yeah. I think it's like a really good swap for Rafinha to maybe Maxwell Cornet. Cornet's a bit cheaper gives me a bit more funds to be able to maybe afford these expensive players like afford a human son mm. um Third player is Callum Wilson. Oof. It's an out, yeah, out of position, like very risky punt, 1.7% own. He's had two goals in his last three games. And there's also talk about maybe Unai Emery becoming manager yeah, for Newcastle. This is interesting, this one, that when it came out yesterday. Which, if he does become manager for Newcastle, that kind of interests me. Like, because we've known, like, Callum Wilson is like Antonio in terms of if they are fit, they can get the goals. The problem mm. with Callum Wilson is, is 
very injury prone. But whenever he's there on the pitch, he is the main striker for Newcastle. And Newcastle do have some good fixtures upcoming as well. They're high up on the ticker, I think, in the next six game weeks. So in terms of a short-term punt, maybe it could be an option, especially when not many strikers are really appealing as well. Do you know, I kind of like that. Newcastle haven't yet got their new manager in. But then yesterday, as you say, this talk about Emery suddenly appears. Now, I think that could be a really interesting managerial appointment. Callum Wilson, alongside St. Maximin, they are mm. both quality players. Unfortunately, they've been playing in a side that just couldn't defend. They just yeah. basically didn't have a defence. And that makes their job so difficult because they're basically having to do all the work themselves. And we saw St. Max do that over a few weeks when Callum Wilson was injured. But now Callum Wilson is back. I think between the two of them, things could improve massively for Newcastle with a, with a bit of new manager bounce, obviously with investment in January, which mm. I'm fully expecting to yeah. happen. And we're not that far away from January. So mm. I like those differentials. I think they're really good because, you know, particularly Cornet, he's... He's one that I keep looking at every week and thinking, have I missed the hype with him? Mm-hmm. But every week he continues to play to the same standard. So I suspect that, that actually, if you want to go with him now, he could still be a really good option. Yeah. And finally, then, Ryan, before I let you go, the important question, which over the last few weeks has been the most ridiculous question I've ever asked because it's been on captaincy and who wears that captain's armband. Are we still in the let's give it to Salah camp or... Is there a possibility we can look elsewhere? I did the captaincy video today and I was looking at a few players. Huming Sun with potentially a new manager bounce. Against um, Everton. Poor Everton defence um, is an option. Another one is we spoke about Aubameyang previously and Arsenal are playing a poor Watford team as well. That's another option maybe this week. And also obviously Vardy has kind of like fallen off the cliffs in terms of stats, but mm. he's playing a weak defensive leads team who are pretty weak on set pieces as well. And Leicester do have the likes of Tielemans, Madison, who can put in those crosses yeah. um, for Jamie Vardy could be an option. Now, in terms of Salah, West Ham are currently top in the last four game weeks for expected goals conceded. Uh, so they're currently the best defense and also their attack is really good. So they're basically really good all over the park. And usually when I do the captaincy video, I look at the, on the fantasy football scout members area, the XG shots conceded for the teams. Yeah. And most of the time Salah has gone against teams which are weak on that side of the flank. So they consider a lot of shots on that side. Brighton were the one team where it's more, they concede shots more centrally compared to the, on Salah's uh, left, sorry, Salah's right. West Ham, interestingly, are like all those other teams where they've considered a lot of shots mm. on their left-hand side. So it kind of benefits Salah as well. Initially, I was like, okay, looking at West Ham's numbers in general, I was like, okay, maybe Salah is not the option. But then I saw, saw that shots considered map and I was like, ooh, it could be... It, Salah is a really good player, could get an opportunity. But I don't think... I think this time there are more options compared to last game week. Mm. But I wouldn't count Salah out. Oh, yeah. Given that that's that specific map that I saw. I, I'd actually agree with you here. I think that there are other choices. You know, you could, as a Kane owner, I do look at that game against Everton and think, if Conte arrives, if I see something from Kane on Thursday evening in the conference, I could. But Kane's differential enough. I think this is the thing yeah. for me this season is that owning Kane this week is going to be differential enough. I look across the rest of my team. I think there's potential with defenders this week as well. There's some really nice defenders mm. out there that you could potentially captain this week, particularly the Chelsea ones with the way that mm. they're playing. 
And so I always end up back with Salah because yeah. I just think that he is at the mo- at the moment, even with a slightly lesser return last week than we got normally, mm. he's still the most consistent player in the game right now. He's still the best player for me in the Premier League, at least right now, maybe in the world right now. He's still the one that's on the best form. He's still the one that plays the most consistently. So I think I'm just going to leave the armband with Salah again and let my differentials talk for themselves in terms of their returns and and go into it knowing that I've captained a player that I really do trust to bring returns regardless of who he plays. The captaincy armband is something you don't want to be playing around with too much in terms of risk. Yeah. There are some weeks where you can kind of risk it between two players, but the form that Salah is on right now, even... The assist like last last week he was owned by uh, he had an effective over ownership of 199 percent, which is crazy numbers. Where basically if you don't captain him, you're seeing a rank decrease. Oh, for sure, um, for yeah. sure. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you know with Salah, yes, you can captain somebody else. Mm. Yes, there might be somebody that's got a better fixture than he does, but nobody's got better form, and yeah, nobody's going to hurt you in the way that he will. And everybody else, everybody else will give you a huge rank gain just by owning yep. them. But with Salah, you don't captain him. You're guaranteeing yourself a yep. red arrow if he does anything. So it's partly fear, but it's also partly the, the sensible thing to do, in my view, is yeah. just to captain I'm, Salah. I would captain the one who's on the most form right now, and that's Salah. I know it's a tough fixture against West Ham, and it could end up with a low-scoring game. But at the same time, it could also end up with like a high-scoring game. It could go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and if I needed to get a rank increase, I'll probably look at my other players for differentials to try and get me that increase compared yeah. to playing around with my captaincy armband right now. Brilliant. Okay, Salah it is. Uh, that's it then for this week's Scout the Game Week. I'll be back next time. We'll look back at Game Week 11 and ahead to Game Week 12, of course. We have an international break to squeeze in between all of that happens. Green arrows, everyone. <laughs>